Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise God. Good to have our visitors with us today. Thank you so much for being with us. Amen. Good to have the McCourts from Oklahoma. And good to have the Renaissance from California. Glad you're all here today. Amen. And before I read my text today, I want to just mention what an awesome men's retreat we had. It was terrific up in Green Lake. And Brother Matucci, you did an outstanding job of putting it all together and leading us. Good example. Good servant spirit. Amen. I want to read from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And it says, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even into the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints of the marrow. And watch this. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's what the word of God is. Hebrews 10 and 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised And let us consider one another to provoke. Here's the one time you're told to provoke. Provoke unto love and to good works and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting, encouraging, helping one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And I want to ask this question today. Do I have a holy heart? Do I have a holy heart? Now, we have sung together today. Everybody sang. But I'd like us all to pray together today. The word of God is already anointed. But the speaker and the hearers need to be anointed. So I've asked Brother Meyer to lead us in prayer today, but not pray for us. So let's pray together that God speaks to us today. Do you wanna hear from God and from his word today? Let's lift up our hands and let's pray that God speaks to us. Brother Meyer, would you lead us? Father, we're just thankful, Lord God, that we know we can gather together here and that you are alive, Lord God. You are in our presence, in our midst here today, Lord God. I pray that our hearts would be open, Lord God, as you can speak to us. Help us to hear what you have from us, Lord God. We believe, Lord God, that Pastor Kylie is the oracle of the Lord this morning, and he has a message for me this morning. He has a message to speak to my heart. He has a message to speak to my life this morning. It's not by coincidence that I am here today, but Lord, it is anointed and it is ordained by you that I should be here, Lord God, to hear your 
word. Speak to our hearts. Speak to my mind, Lord. Help me to grow, Lord God, in your spirit this morning. I pray, Lord, you anoint Pastor Kylie, Lord God, and do him with power, Lord God, to speak forth, Lord God, with boldness, a holy boldness, Lord God. God, let him preach, Lord God, like he's never preached before, Lord God. Let him speak to us, Lord God, with power, Lord God. Hallelujah, God. Minister through him this morning, Lord Jesus. Anoint him. Anoint our ears to hear, Lord God. And just, Lord, let the service, Lord God, let your will be accomplished and performed in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Brother Meyer. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise God. I want to talk to you about the heart. The heart is the strongest muscle in your entire body. I don't care if you lift weights. Your heart is still stronger. Look at what your heart does for you. It pumps 2,000 gallons of blood every day. That equates to about 700,000 gallons per year. 48 million gallons if you live to be 70. That's a powerful muscle. It doesn't have to be told when to beat. If you exercise, it will beat faster. It is an involuntary, but it knows what to do, and it supplies to every part of the body what it needs. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. But if the mind is the intellectual side of a person, then the heart must be the emotional side of a person. During my prayer walk today and all through our our prayer time today, the spirit of Jeff Brown has been upon me. I just can't stop weeping when I think about how good God has been to me. Can I get an amen in the house? Has God been good to you? What, What is a man that thou art mindful of him? Who are we to be able to be in the presence of God? Who are we to hear the word of the Lord? For God to show us his mercy and his grace. And if you feel that way, sometimes you feel so unworthy. So unworthy. But the heart is also a deceitful thing. Jeremiah 17 and 9 said, the heart is deceitful above all things. It can be desperately wicked, and who can even know it? You know, I don't even know my own heart. I don't know all the things that are in it, good and bad. But they get exposed in everyday life. I find out what's really living there. You never know because you can't see my heart. But you can hear my words and you can see my actions. But he answers his own question. The question the Lord asked is answered in the next verse. I, the Lord, I search the heart. I try the reins even to give, away, give a man, every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. 
Only God sees and knows your heart. Matthew chapter 12, verse 37, he spoke about the heart. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak? Being evil, speak good things. There's a contradiction. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, this verse of scripture ought to terrify us. I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So I'm understanding a process here. I think that this is the way it works, and I want to share it with you. I think that what we think, we begin to feel. And what we feel, we say. And what we say, we do. It's a process. Did you ever hear anybody say to you, well, I wasn't thinking before I spoke? That is not possible. You thought, you pondered in the heart, and what was in the heart came out of your mouth, and it was probably followed by action. So that's the way it works. So we have to control the way we think because the way we think will soon become the way we feel. Can I get an amen? And then we will speak and we will act. Now David was a man after God's own heart. Can I get an amen to that? This is my opinion, you don't wanna agree with me, that's okay. This is not a salvation issue. I do not believe that David had a heart like God. I believe that David was in pursuit of a heart like God. He was in pursuit of finding God's love and emotion and passion and mercy and all the things that are mentioned when we mention the heart. I believe he was in pursuit of that. I don't believe he had a heart like God. That's my opinion. But a man that had a heart that was even after God, let me explain exposed to you what happened on an occasion in his life that completely changed him. If you read about David, it will tell you that he was a man after God's own heart, but it will also tell you that there was a time where his military leader, Joab, came to him. And Joab came to David one day and he said, David, you are the king of all of Israel. And every battle that we have ever been in, your horse has been in the front. You have always led in battle. We cannot afford to lose you. You are too valuable of a leader to be riding the point in battle. 
Can you imagine what would happen to Israel if somebody had a lucky shot and hit you with an arrow and killed you? You are so valuable that listen to my advice. Don't go to this battle. Stay home. Let all the rest of us leave. I will lead the battle for you. I will represent your leadership. You just stay home because you're that important to this nation. And David made a mistake. He stayed back. And all the men went to war. And when all the men went to war, all the women assumed that all the men were gone. And apparently there was a very beautiful woman who was bathing and David from his tower saw her bathing. And he found out who she was. And he even found out that she was a married woman. And he took her and he committed adultery with her. And sometime later, she came back and let David know that she was pregnant. Now, the sin is not pregnancy. Somebody says, well, you know, I got pregnant, and that's a sin. No, pregnancy is not a sin, but adultery or fornication. Now, that is a sin. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so she reported this to, Ab to David, and David thought, oh, my now what am I going to do? So she sent, he sent word to Joab to put her husband on the front line. Well, wait a minute. I need to back up. That wasn't the first thing he did. The first thing he did was he said, bring her husband home and give him a furlough and let them lie together. And perhaps he'll never know that I'm the father. He'll think he's the father of the child and that's how I'll cover it up. But Uriah said, no, how can I leave my comrades in arms and go home and be with my wife when I need to be with the men of God that are fighting for our nation? I will not leave the battle. What a man of integrity Uriah was. A man of integrity. He would not leave. David said, now what am I going to do? That plan's not going to work. So he tells Joab, put him on the front line. And leave him there till he's killed. You see, soldiers all serve on the front line for a period of time, but replacements come and they go back for furloughs or for rest, and then there's a rotation of people that come to the front line. But not Uriah. He's going to stay on the front line until he's killed. So you see, now David has not only taken his sin and been an adulterer, now he is a murderer. And for those of you that thought he was a man with God's heart, I don't think that God is an adulterer and a murderer. David didn't know what was in his own heart. And he did these two terrible sins because he was convinced by someone else that he was too important to serve, too important to fight, too important to lead. I want you to know there's nobody like that. Nobody is too important not to lead by example and to lead from the, from the front. I want to go back just a moment and share something with you concerning David in 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you'd like to turn there. Let me set the stage for you before I read this in its context. 
Samuel knew that the first, that the next king after Saul would come from the house of Jesse. So he went to Jesse's house and he examined all of the boys. He would walk up to each one of them. He would put his hand from the eldest to the youngest. He would put his hand on their head and he would pray and God would tell him, this is the one or no, not, this is not the one. And so he went from the eldest to the youngest. Some were wise, one was handsome, one was strong, etc. They all had different characteristics that Samuel could have recognized in leadership. But God taught him a lesson even while he was going through this process. 1 Samuel 16 and 7 said, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, Did you hear that? For a man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Where does he look? He looks on the heart. Now, again, I'm gonna say some things you might not agree with, but this is what I believe and this is what the Lord laid on my heart to share with you today. It does not say that God does not look on the outward. That's what man does. It says that God can go farther than man can look. Man man can only look on the outward. Now let me stop there. Man does look on the outward. We are visual. Women are audio. We look. Man looks. Man judges by appearance. Man is turned on. The kids are gone. Man is turned on by what he sees. I didn't expect a lot of amens because nobody wants to appear to be lustful here today. (laughs) But we are visual. Can I get an amen to men are visual? Okay. Men are visual. I believe this. I believe that God cares about how his bride looks. Sister Kylie, I'm gonna get in a lot of trouble today, but Sister Kylie does not wanna lose her soul, so she will forgive me. Please stand up. This is my wife. Praise God. Now here's, here's where I'll get in trouble. Now you can be seated. Here's where I'll get in trouble. This is my wife, the only wife I have ever had. This belongs to me. And this belongs to her. Can I get an amen? I want my wife Oh boy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step out here today. I want my wife to look like she's not looking. But to look like she has found a husband and saves herself 
for her husband so that every man that looks at her will not be tempted to lust because she will cover herself and adorn herself as a bride to her husband. She brings me glory. I am proud of my wife. Now here's my point. What about this fact that Jesus is the groom and we are the bride of Christ? Do we look like we're still looking? Or do we look like we have found someone that we want to please? Like this is somebody, this is the only one. This is the only one I care about. I want to be pleasing to God. I want when people look at me to be able to say, who are you? Well, I'm a child of God. I'm the, I'm the bride of Christ. This, I, I dress, I talk, I live to please God. I believe that holiness ought to be inward and it ought to be outward. And I believe God can see right into her heart, just like he can see right into my heart. And God wants somebody that talks right, that walks right, that serves right, that dresses right, modest, pleasing to God, a female. Praise God. Can I get an amen? Because God, he goes beyond what man sees. And he sees her heart. So as Christians, we're concerned about bringing glory to God and being pleasing to him. Being pleasing to him. That's what matters, folks. And this woman pleases me. She pleases me with her spirit, her kindness, her hospitality. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble here. She'll do anything for God and for her husband. That's the way we need to be as Christians. God, whatever you want, you tell me what you want me to do. Just tell me what you want me to do, and I'm going to do it. You know why? Because I love you. And you're the one that matters most to me. I want to be pleasing to God. But God's going to always be taking a look at my heart. David's heart was not right. And so you know what God did? God sent David a Nathan. He sent him a prophet. Because David didn't repent right away. He still had that spirit of Joab on him. Oh, you're important. You're the king. You can have anything you want. You stay back. So God sent a prophet. I'm here today to prophesy to you. I'm here today to preach to you about your heart today. I'm here to help you find a way so that you and God can take a look at something that you really don't know, but that you really need to be aware of. And Nathan came to David and he said, David, I'm gonna tell you a story. And he said, say on, Nathan. 
Tell him you call him back. (laughs) And so Nathan said, all right, David, I'm going to tell you a story. Here's the story. A man, he was very poor, and all he had was, he had a little lamb. And the lamb was more than just a pet. The lamb even ate at the same table with him and his family. And there was another man, and and he had lots of sheep, big flocks and herds of, of sheep. And a wayfaring man came through and he, and he came to the rich man's house who had all the sheep and he said, say, stay with me. I'll be glad to feed you. Welcome to the Ponderosa. We'll make sure that you've got a good meal. Just sit right here and I'll have my servants prepare it. And then he told his servants, you go over by the neighbor and you kill his sheep. You dress it and bring it back here and you prepare the meal for my visiting friend here. And David was outraged. That guy, all he had was one little sheep and, he was, and, he, and it was taken from him. He said, that man will pay. And Nathan said, you're the man. You could have had anyone you wanted, but you took the one thing that that poor man had You took the thing that he valued most outside of his family. You took his one sheep and then you killed him. And David broke. He broke. He finally realized what had happened. I'm gonna say this. You know, we make sometimes, we make fun of men that cry. Don't you ever make fun of any man that cries. Don't do that. When David realized what was really in his heart, it broke him. He began to weep. He repented. I want you to see David's repentance because it is an example for every one of us as Christians. How many of you make mistakes? I got my hand up before you. Listen, this is how we handle when we discover that something that was in our heart caused us to sin. This is how we should handle it. Psalm 51, listen to David in his tears and in his sorrow. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before thee. Against thee and thee only, Have I sinned? I've done this evil in your sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. So purge me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. And make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. And hide your face from my sins and 
blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. A clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. And restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with your free spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways. And sinners shall be converted to thee. That's repentance. That's a crying man that now realizes what was in his heart all along because the circumstances were just right for him to discover that sin was in his heart. And all of us face this, folks. We live in a day where we struggle with lust. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And there's a big, big difference between lust and love. And I'm going to mention a couple of things. Lust is selfish. It only cares about self and its own gratification. And when it becomes dissatisfied with what it has had, it is willing to abuse it and separate itself from that person and find another victim. That's what lust does. I'm warning you young ladies to protect your virginity. There are lustful people in this world that will take advantage of you. That's another reason to be modest in your appearance. Because lustful people will take advantage of you, use you, and throw you away. And then nobody wants used goods. Wouldn't it be better to protect ourselves? And I know God can forgive people and all that, but we don't have a license to sin. Don't think you're going to fool God by saying, well, I'll sin and I'll ask for forgiveness. You're going to endure the pain after the pleasure, like I talked about Wednesday night. The pain is coming. Lust is selfish, but love gives before it takes. Love thinks about the other person before it thinks about itself. Read the first, read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what we call the love chapter, and see what the characteristics of love are versus the characteristics of lust. Proverbs chapter 6 talks about the sins of the heart. These six things, this is Proverbs 6, 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. This is what he really hates. This, you know how I like to play with words. This would cause him to want abomination. That's why it's called an abomination. A proud look, he hates it. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and heart, see this, that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, 
a false witness that speaketh lies, and the seventh, he that soweth discord among the brethren. He'll bomb your nation for these things. And they all start in the thought, then in the heart, the mouth, and then with your body. We must guard against heart cancer. I want you to hear this. I've never heard of anybody having cancer of the heart. Have you? Oh, I've got cancer. I've got lymph node cancer. We've got all kinds of cancers. But I've never heard anybody say, I have cancer of the heart. But cancer of the heart is the deadliest disease of all. You know the number one killer in America today? It's not cancer. Men's hearts failing them for fear, heart attacks. Worry, fear, anxiety, hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness. Those things are a cancer to your heart. I'm going to tell you a story. Many years ago, and, I, and uh, I'll, I'll be careful how I say this. Many years ago, when we were over on Oakwood Street in Oconomowoc in the little yellow church building, we had uh, a woman that... Um, struggled with smoking. Even after God filled her with the Holy Ghost, she struggled for a long time with smoking. And eventually, she got cancer. Sooner or later, it happens. And so she got cancer. But this woman was a really, really friendly woman. And she would have church people over at her house all the time. And she would I mean, every Sunday afternoon, she was going to make a meal and feed everybody that wanted to come to her house. Very hospitable, very evangelistic. But she had one real serious problem. If you crossed her, she had a terrible time forgiving you. You could see it on her face. It was like a spirit would come over her. She would look ugly. She could throw darts with her eyes at you, she just had a real problem with unforgiveness. But when she got cancer, she wanted everybody to pray for her, and everybody did. So people would always gather around this person, and we'd pray for her, and we'd have these prayer lines and pray for folks. And and I remember one Monday morning, I came to the sanctuary to pray, and God spoke to me and said, when are you going to stop fighting me? And I said, Lord, I don't know what that means. Tell me what that means. And he said, he brought this woman to my mind and said, this woman's problem is not cancer. This woman's problem is unforgiveness. It's unforgiveness. Tell her that the root of even her cancer is unforgiveness, which is a spiritual cancer. I want you to go down to her house and tell her that right now. Here goes Nathan the prophet that day. Ma'am, I was just praying for you and and God told me to come down here and he wanted me to tell you something. 
Oh, so good to have you. Would you like some breakfast, some coffee, some toast? Well, no thank you. I just want to deliver the message that I believe God has for you. And I told her, I said, the problem you have, ma'am, is that your unforgiving spirit is a cancer to your spiritual life. Your problem is not physical cancer. It is spiritual cancer. And God wants to deliver you. And she said, get out of my house and never come back. That's how quick angry, unforgiving people can change their course. How quickly they can change. Just a minute ago, you wanted to make me breakfast. You wanted me to sit down and spend time with you. But because I deliver what I believe God wanted me to deliver to you, you never want to see me again. She didn't come to church for a little while. That's what people do when they get offended and get their feelings hurt. They stop coming to church. Stop serving. But after a while, she came back to church and we continued to have prayer lines and we'd pray for the sick and I'd go down and I'd pray for each one except when I came to this woman. I walked right by her. Never laid a hand on her. Never anointed her with oil. Just moved right to the next one. I never said anything to the church about this. Never. I wouldn't do that. They don't need to know. There are some things that you don't need to know that only your pastor knows. And sometimes when he does things that don't make sense to you, it's because he knows something that you don't know and you don't need to know about it. And you need to trust your pastor and say, he must have a good reason for what he's doing. Can I get an amen to that? I, could, I couldn't go against God and pray for her but I didn't feel I needed to tell the congregation why. So I skipped her. And then she called me on a Sunday night. Called me up on the phone. She said, you're my pastor and I'm in a lot of pain and I want you to come down to my house right now and I expect you to pray for me. And I said, ma'am, I told you what your problem was. And I ain't coming till we deal with unforgiveness. Wham! Slams the phone down so loud that it hurt my ear. I mean, this is a, one of those really late night calls. Slams that phone down. It's hard for me to get back to sleep, but I worked on it. And the next morning, I got another phone call. I've always noticed that people that call you very, very late at night never get up very, very early in the morning. I'm just going to tell you something. This is just a little bit of pastoring. If you, you can call me with an emergency anytime. If it's an emergency, you can call me anytime. But if you call me with foolishness at 11, 12, 1 or 2 in the morning, I'll be calling you back when I get up at 6. And we'll talk more then. 
But this woman called me back late in the morning. She said, oh, pastor, I am in the hospital. Is there any, completely different person. I, I, I could, they can even change their voice inflection when they're angry. Would you please come up and visit me at the hospital? Why, yes, I, I will come and visit you at the hospital. And I went up there and I, I opened the door on this woman. She's got this glow all over her face. She's got this, man, it looked like she had been with God or something, you know? And I said, what happened? She said, well, after I hung up with you, I got to thinking, you know, he's right. I'm fighting God. I've got unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart. And she said, she said, Pastor, she said, I don't want you to pray for my cancer. I want you to pray against my unforgiveness and my bitterness. I don't care. Listen to this. She said, I don't even care if I die of cancer. But I don't want to die lost. I don't want to die lost. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is there any unforgiveness? Please, close your eyes just for a moment. Lord, help us to, help us to be able to the best of our ability and with your help to take a look in our own hearts today. Is there anything or anyone that we're angry with, that we refuse to forgive, parents, siblings, spouses, church members, maybe even we're unforgiving of you. Is there anybody that could cause us to have heart cancer, unforgiveness, that steals all of our peace, all of our joy, and all of our righteousness which you promised in your spirit. Is there any such person, any such thing? Search me, O God, and try my heart, and see if there be any wicked way inside of me. Is there any anger, any hatred, Search me, O oh God. Let me leave you with this promise before I invite you to this altar. Let's stand together. Do I have a holy heart? Do I have a holy heart? Listen to the promise of the Old Testament that we know is fulfilled through the new birth in the New Testament, the Old Testament promise. Ezekiel 36 and 26. A new heart also will I give you, a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and you will do them. And you will dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. 
you shall be my people and I will be your God. A new heart and a new spirit. Jesus, I pray today that we wouldn't look at anybody else today. Nobody near us, no other member of this congregation. But when we come to this altar today, you'd give us a mirror and help us to see what you've seen all along, what you know and what we have not known. Perhaps until this... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.